What is up, Internet? The sum of Western guilt sat next to him on the couch. My name is Matthew Kroll. And that's one of the most iconic buttholes ever. My name is Shahir Dowd. And this is the only podcast about movies, specifically the film The Worst Person in the World. Oh, just making me say that uh, my uh, my line of dialogue made me the worst person in the world. How no, it didn't. <laughs> the, 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 <laughs> I gotta say, I, we've, we've said a lot of movie quotes on this show. This one, this film had an embarrassment of, of good embar- quotes to yeah, choose my, from. My my other choice was how many times can you watch Dog Day Afternoon, which I yep. love. And then they were like, we'll get into the film, but there were a lot of sad quotes that I just oh. like broke yeah. my heart. <laughs> so I was like, oh, 100%. Yeah. I don't mean good as in like uplifting. Yeah. I mean good as like effective. Oh, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. My other one was if men had periods, that'd be all we'd hear about. Yeah, <laughs> this is... <laughs> Uh, I don't know. This, yeah, it just—it was a hard. It was hard to pick just one, so we didn't. I'm glad we got to do this one. This is actually kind of rounding out. Uh, I know we're we're a couple of weeks late now, but rounding out our best foreign film nominees. Uh, maybe that's what we should do for the year. Maybe we just plan out for the entire year. We just do every single film that was nominated for an Oscar over the course of the year until the next Oscars roll around. Right. So that every year we're just catching up with the Oscars. Every year, we're behind the news cycle behind by at least six months. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so we are almost done with the Best Picture nominees. Uh, I've seen, I, I've seen, the only one I haven't seen now is uh, La Nuna, the, uh, A Yak in the Classroom, which I actually watched the trailer for because I was just like, I, what is, uh, is there a yak in this classroom? And there is certainly a yak in that classroom. Uh, so right. I, I'm actually excited to check that out. And um, Flea is Excellent. You should absolutely see Flea. And The Hand of God is excellent. We did a whole episode about Drive My Car, uh, which you can go and listen to. But The Hand of God is just... It's sublime, and this is this comes down to that, that, that question... Not question, but that thing that happens every year, which is that the best, pitch, the best foreign film nominees is an embarrassment of riches. And, sure. like, I was looking through the best foreign film nominees, and I was like, I would include... I mean, I haven't seen Luna Yak of the God, but I was like, uh, a Yak, Yak of the God, Hand of God, Max of the Yak. I like the Yak of the God. <laughs> Can that be the, the God movie in now? the classroom, yeah. yeah. Um, but I was like, I would totally... Sub- there, there are at least four films I would drop out of the Best Picture nominee and replace them with all of these. Like, there's just, like, no question about it. Including, and controversially, including the one that won Best Picture, I would replace all with any right. of these. All right, all right. <laughs> Listen, we all know Shahir hates Coda. Ugh, Shahir hate thinks Coda, Coda is hate. a made-for-TV movie. <laughs> Technically, it is. But that doesn't take away any of the craft and skill from it, because I fucking love them. Yeah, not no no shade to Coda, but, uh, yeah. I, <laughs> but a little shade to Coda. <laughs> a little shade to Coda. Um... <laughs> Uh, so I'm glad we got to do this one. Matt, have you been watching anything else? Is, is anything... Has anything else been exciting you? Are you playing Elden Ring still? What are you? What are you I'm to? playing Elden Ring when I can. God, that game's so fucking good. I'm so behind everyone. Like it was so exciting to be playing a FromSoft game when it launched because I'd never game? gotten to do that before. From Software oh. is the company that makes it. Yeah. Um. So it's uh, Dark Souls, Bloodborne, Sekiro, whatever. Uh, These are and, just words you say uh, to me. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. But like, and so the community is all discovering stuff at the same time, and you all feel like super tied to it, and like you know, yada yada yada. And now I'm so behind, like everyone's on like their fifth new game plus, and I'm like maybe a fourth through it. Like I just, this game's going to take me all year to be, to play through, which is great. But like now I'm like watching out for spoilers and not getting the memes and like, you know, it's, it has passed me by. So I've been playing that. Uh, As far as watching, you know what I watched last night Mm. on a whim? Because Jamie and I were going to watch an episode of Buffy. We're slowly getting through Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the series. Mm-hmm. And uh, we went to Hulu, and I didn't realize that Death on the Nile 
uh, was on Hulu. <laughs> this is <laughs> what Shivali and I watched Death on the Nile two nights ago. Two no- what? There we go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There we go. So we could so, just okay. do the whole episode on Death on the Nile if we want. Should we to. just switch it? Should we just switch it right now? Yeah, let's do uh, it. <laughs> so yeah, it's so funny. So yeah, we watched that. Uh, you know why? Because Death on the Nile is such a uh, a good date night movie. I guess. Well, it's not a good so, movie, but it's a good date. No, night. it's like a you know, let's watch something together that that I'm not forcing you to watch and you're not forcing me to watch. Yeah, it was know? a neutral. It was the Switzerland of movies. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I really, uh, I had a good time watching an all right movie. Uh, <laughs> oh, was, actually, look, this is gonna go so far away. We will get to the worst person in the world. Uh, you know, no spoilers for our reviews there, but but do stick around for that. But they were like, I I did the most obnoxious thing when that movie because the first shot of that movie, of Death on the Nile, of Death on the Nile, it wasn't the first. It was like the third shot or something, which was like this long tracking shot through World War One trenches, and oh, I was yeah. like. Uh, do, do you remember the shot, like the yeah. uh, an ambulance, uh, like uh, people are carrying people on a stretcher, and then we travel yep. through the um, we travel. Basically, the camera then goes into the trenches around. There's people kind of like waiting around, and then it comes to what looks like a commander, and then a person like comes out of frame to the right hand of screen and hands the commander instructions. And I was like, I just stopped and I was like, this. I'm so sorry, Chevalier. I was like, I'm so 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 sorry. I got to do this why does that shot that way because because the thing for me is like the clear thing to do here is to follow the message in the trenches right like mm. if you're tracking uh if you're if you're putting a camera and you're tracking it through a series of trenches as though it is going somewhere the most logical thing to do in my humble opinion would be to have the person who has the note carrying the note and we see that person going through the trenches so we're following someone as they reveal the world to us instead what they do is they just aim they just sort of wander through the trenches and then and then uh the person with the note like pops out of frame as though they came from some other direction Shivali did not appreciate this note <laughs> and so i, I had two on. notes i had two <laughs> notes generally for the beginning of that movie without yeah. any spoilers one why is everything in the past in shitty black and white like that didn't have to be in black and white. Yeah, there's no, the, there's no reason. But there's it a just logical the gr- reason for that, right? Like it it's a just made the green screens look worse. Yeah, but we have movies about different times with flashbacks that know, are like. I'm just saying, just seemed, this is the, that, that's a that's a rational that's a rational a, screen design. Let's put it this way: yeah. it's a dumb choice. Why, the why second is it a dumb, dumb choice, choice, just out of curiosity, the, because there's no need for like. I, I, I'm getting sick of. I'm getting sick of like. Ooh, it's old timey. So now it's black and white. Like mm-hmm. I, I just. You don't need to do that. You can show that it. You can show different time periods because guess what? They actually were in color. Um, anyway, again, that annoyed me. And then the second thing that annoyed me is in that the end of that very shot that you did not like about the letter being delivered, it brings it to the commanding officer. And do you remember what the commanding officer was doing at I, that particular moment? If I recall correctly, because I did watch this shot a couple times, he was like kind of staring at a brick wall. He was three <laughs> inches away from a wall, just staring at it. Silently. Now, he was either being affected by the Blair Witch, <laughs> or he didn't know in that moment where they were going to green screen him. Yeah. Because I, that looked so bad. <laughs> I couldn't believe. I don't believe I, that I was, was a green screen, though. Like, I don't think it was a green screen. I think, I think maybe he's Maybe I was distracted by the, all the other bad green screen in the, that movie. There was a lot of bad green screening in that movie. Um, so, yeah. The, I, I mean, look, I, mm, did I like Murder on the Orient Express? And am I invested? I did. I enjoyed I, it, I but feel, I watched it on a plane, so it might not count. I really do have a thing for the Sydney Lumet version, so the original Sydney Lumet version. So I'm not, 
I, I'm I'm kind of feeling like I didn't really love it, but I'm guessing that the the entire uh, Hercule Poirot thing is really being buoyed up by the success of Knives Out, and we're getting yeah you know like because I was like, do we want more of Kenneth Branagh doing Hercule Poirot? I'm not exactly sure. I look one other thing. Um, just think about it this way: um, Kenneth Branagh directed a Marvel movie, and then this year directed a Best Picture nominee as well as. Uh, a summertime, you know, block, you know, arguably kind of like a blockbuster. Kenneth Branagh and, is the man. I love him yeah. quite a bit. If he's having fun doing these, I want them to still happen. Yeah. Like, I, I, and I, I didn't dislike. The, I did not dislike Death in the Nile. It no. was fine. Um, and I, I liked. It's weird. I liked the. You know what it felt like? It felt like a not funny mummy. Like the original, yeah, like set pieces of the mummy. Like it felt. I don't know. Like it just. It was just nice. Yeah, it was fine. Um, it was perfectly yeah. fine. It's a perfectly watchable movie. It's a perfectly watchable movie for for free with your Hulu subscription. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that had commercials throughout it because. Oh, I think I watched mine on Amazon Prime, and I don't. Think oh, I anyway, it, anyway, it's, it's, we've gone so far. We are the worst gone, people in the world, and we're going to we go are. even further because we have a few emails to catch up with. We've been holding off on these for a little bit, uh, so I want to say thank you to everyone who emailed us in at onlymoviepodcast at gmail dot com uh, with your thoughts, feelings, emotions. Actually, this one came in today, so I'm, uh, this was a fresh email. Ooh, uh, hot off the presses! Hot off the email presses. Anika says, "I wanted to say I really appreciate how you folks handle the convo. Are the Will and Chris situation? I oh. hope we never." speak of it again that was me yeah. uh matt i appreciate you naming the systemic nature of things and also naming your social location which impacts your ability to speak on these things anyways this email is from movie <laughs> talk uh it was great to hear your folks take on king richard uh by the way what we're going to just quickly do now Nika's going through her uh takes of uh the best picture nominees so uh, i just i thought these were great uh i was great to hear your folks uh take on king richard i watched all the best pick noms but this was the one that i hadn't watched as in uh as in the collection of best picture noms it was the one i was least interested in watching i know there is much debate re the term but i did feel oscar Beatty to me in terms of uh a notable biopic big name actor hearing you folks talk about it made me interested in checking it out uh, I share your folks feeling on licorice pizza. It did not resonate with me at all. I was excited initially because I do tend to like PTA's works or at least feel intrigued by it, but I really couldn't stand the movie, the unnecessary racist scenes, the problematic age difference, which the, while the film acknowledged didn't seem to be opposed to it either, based on the ending, just really wasn't for me. Belfast, much agreed. It was quite well done. Jude Hill should have been nommed for, the, uh, for an Oscar, in my opinion. I thought he did great. What a talent. Uh, also super agree with you, uh, Shahir, on not quite seeing the why now. Of West Side Story. I've watched the original and while I enjoy the music and craft quite a bit, there were definitely glaring issues that were also reflected of the time it was made. I was hoping the update maybe would work some improvement, but it seemed they kept things largely the same. I also am surprised they kept most of uh, mostly all the same lines in the Officer Krupke scene. I also don't understand why uh, why they made this outside of making money. However, visually it was stunning. Ariana DeBose did wonderfully. I uh, just wanted to say thank you for your awesome pod. Hope you have a wonderful evening. Thanks for that uh, Anika. Thank you, Anika. Uh, Great yeah, summary. I, you should be uh, on the show, really. To be honest, I, yeah, with you. I, I love, I love it when when you write it. And I always love it when folks give us the, uh, especially now this this time of the year, this this post Oscar uh, sort of look back as to what we are all feeling about these things. So thank uh, you very this, much. This year in particular has been an old one. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, next up, we have a email from Kellen. 
uh, about Nightmare Alley. Now, just so everyone knows, this is not this is me speaking, not mm-hmm. Kellen yet. Uh, this yeah. as an it posits an interesting question, which might go into slight spoilers for Nightmare Alley. So. If that's the case, just uh, if you don't want those, just sort of start listening to this at like three point whatever how, how speed. About, how about we do this, Matt? Because I did respond to Kellen uh, via email, but how yeah. about we, you and I just have three word uh, uh, three word answer to this uh, to this email? I love it. Yeah. So it's not real spoilers; yeah, it's just, just tiny three mini word, spoilers. One word, whatever we can All do. Right, just, here we go. Just answer the question. <laughs> Kellen writes. I found it interesting that you both thought there was nothing supernatural about Bradley Cooper's character. But first, some background. My mom and aunt instilled their love for me for, fil- in, for film or in a young age and made me a Del Toro fan like them when they took me to go see Hellboy when I was 11. Heck yeah. That's Jesus my Christ. heck how old, yeah. How old is Kellen? <laughs> uh, look, we are old. <laughs> yeah, I'm old. We are old as, as fuck. Okay, back to the email. <laughs> Uh, and not my existential dread by my own mortality. Uh, back to Nightmare Alley, my mom, aunt, and girlfriend all said they think Bradley Cooper really was psychic and could read all his marks beyond just the trick. I was like you guys originally and thought he was 100% pulling off a con and there was nothing supernatural about it. But after listening to my family members, I've been rethinking it and now I'm not so sure. I'd be interested to hear your takes on whether Bradley Cooper could really be a psychic and or your thoughts on Buffalo as the setting. Thank you, Kellen. Um, So Kellen also, just so everyone knows, gave multiple examples of sort of things throughout of why this could be. Mm -hmm. We opted not to read those things in case of spoilers, yada, yada, yada. Um, My three-word answer on if Bradley Cooper's character is psychic. I think mine would be like, you know what? I don't want to derail the conversation. Oh, boy. My three-word answer would be, not the point. <laughs> Fair. Uh, yeah. Okay. That's actually. Uh, and that's not to say it's not a fun exercise. No yeah. question. But to go into that exercise, I would have to sort of spoil. Um, I, 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 to be honest, no, I do not still think so. The examples are interesting. Uh, but I, I let's put it this way. If he was actually psychic. Then the what I think the film was trying to say gets more muddled, hmm. and therefore I don't think that was the intent. I like it as a read because it's fun, yeah. uh, but that's sort of my thing. What about you, Sheer? Um, what's my three word answer here? It's four words. Your family is wrong. <laughs> <It's> wow! <laughs> uh, wow! I'll be that guy. No, I I, I like. Wow. The, you know what I like here is that you, your mom, your aunt, and girlfriend are all hanging out having a conversation, and I at some like point that. you you might say, "Yeah, but I was listening to those podcasts with these two douchebags, and they don't agree with you." <laughs> it's one douchebag. <laughs> Only one of us said that they disagreed with your family. Yeah, and uh, and I will be that because I've never met you, and I'm a, a voice on the internet. I will go. You know what, guys. No, you're wrong. <laughs> uh, I yeah, but no. Listen, uh, I, I'm glad that you guys were talking about this together, and yeah, I'm glad that that this actually sparked a conversation. I remember when I was a kid, uh, we went and saw Seven. Uh, my brother took me to see Seven. The David. Wait, um, say that sentence again. Seven. When seven. you were a kid. Yeah, I was. Uh, I must have been. When I say kid, I must have been thirteen, twelve, thirteen, something like that. To see okay. Seven. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and um, in fact, maybe you everyone... shouldn't be questioning other people's families. Yeah, no, you're right. Uh, but everyone, everyone I know my age went to see the film as well. 
So there's that. Um, (laughs) Yeah, when you went to see Hellboy, I went to see Seven. At any rate, we had a whole conversation about what was in the box uh, for a while, and it was a lot of fun. So I enjoy uh, that that, uh, a movie can bring it together. We did a full episode on Nightmare Alley. You should check it out. It's a great movie. Uh, Fun story. No, I can't actually tell this story. I'm not going to. What? <laughs> wow. I'm not even cutting that out. Yeah, that's no. just going to stay in. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, I, 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 <laughs> Kellett, Kellett, thank you so much for your email. Uh, uh, you've brought you, you've silenced Shahir somehow, which is so strange. Uh, Dr. Rafael Da Silva, who is a dear, dear friend, emailed us and uh, mentioned that he thought Matt would be interested in the Sands International Film Festival of St. Andrews, which is the university where Dr. Da Silva has a laboratory uh, in which he makes concoctions to make uh, superhuman beings, uh, I'm guessing, of some description, uh, and occasionally experiments with gamma rays uh, in order to become the Hulk. Um, But he wanted to write in uh, with uh, a little blurb from the film festival, uh, which was written by none other than Joe and Anthony Rousseau. Wow. Whose daughter apparently goes to St. Andrews, and uh, they were so impressed with the uh, facilities and the academic stuff that they actually decided to film some of the uh, Avengers series uh, at the university, uh, which is nice. It's nice to nice. be able to, nice to, be able to bring your cool. work to your kid day. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and uh, this was the blurb from the uh, film festival brochure. We owe a great deal of our success to the Slam Dance Film Festival and to filmmaker Steven Soderbergh. Go back to our first films episode where we talk directly about uh, Steven Soderbergh's influence on young filmmakers. The platform that Slam Dance provided us led directly to where we are today. Hopefully, the Sands Film Festival can provide the same platform for an exciting ar- emerging array of diverse and incredibly talented voices. Rafael goes on to ask us, I recently listened to the Drive My Car episode, and you mentioned that another of the author's movies is called Norwegian Wood. We're talking about us of uh, Murakami. Uh, is it a coincidence that both are named after the Beatles songs off the album Rubber Soul? That is not a coincidence. Murakami is a big Beatles fan and often has and has named several of his stories after um, uh, Beatles tracks. So... Yeah. Um, I, I, I did a, a stupid thing, which is that my wife and I were talking and I googled uh, Dr. De Silva's lab and I thought it'd be fun to try and just read a blurb from what their lab does because I mentioned oh, that they no. experiment with gamma rays. I've been practicing. Let's see if we can do it. Now, the reason I did this is I just I wanted to highlight that sometimes people in other industries just speak an entirely different language. And and I wanted you well, to. Yeah. I mean, we're we're. We're media nonsense folks, and this is a person doing real world good. But just, when I mean different language, listen to this. In the okay. De Silva lab, we apply techniques of molecular biology, biochemistry, structural biology, and physical chemistry to unravel the mechanisms of enzymatic reactions catalyzed by multiprotein, allosteric complexes, 3-oxo-cybosialic, acid reductress, tRNA, methyl methyltransferases and human histidine kianases. <laughs> I think I got the last word wrong. Particular attention is given to transition state structure, inhibitor design, and fast protein dynamics. Do you understand any of that? I we d- bitched <laughs> about death on the Nile for bad green screen and the way it moved a letter across the screen. Yeah, there you go. Uh, so different, you, different verbs, different world. I just, I just like when I listen to my wife talk on the phone to people in, in other laboratories. I'm like, I've. It, it is like she's speaking another language, uh, and I love it. Uh, thank you, everyone, for email us in. You can Thanks, Raphael. Thank you, everybody. Uh, onlymoviepodcast at gmail.com. Matt. Yes, email us in. You can do it. You right now. You listening who have never who have never written us before. <laughs> yes, you. I know there's one person right now who is a longer-term person fan of the show, or maybe not fan, just someone who listens. <laughs> Nobody likes um, the show. 
Let's be real. And, and, and you've never written in. <laughs> Now's your time. That's Write true. us in. Say even if it's just hello. Tell <laughs> us a thing about a movie you like, and we'll it'll knock us on a tangent, and then we'll stop talking about Sonic Two or whatever. <laughs> like that's just the future. We, I'm, I'm predicting it at this point because I have psychic powers. Um, you want to know, Shahir? What, what the worst? Who are the who are the worst people in the world? Uh, who, uh, it is us. <laughs> no, uh, the IMDb says that the, the very definition of the worst person in the world is the chronicle of four years in the life of Julie, a young woman who navigates the troubled waters of her love life and struggles to find her career path, leading her to take a realistic look at who she really is. Who she really is. That's pretty good. That's, that's, a, pretty- that's, a, pretty, that's a pretty good spoiler-free, <laughs> watered-down-for-the-film's-benefit description. I was excited to see this movie. Uh, I'd been holding off on it for a while because I really wanted to give it the proper time and attention I felt it deserved because many people had written in, uh, and messaged me and said this was one of their favorite movies of the year. And, and, I, and I, I felt, and these were people whose, whose opinions I trust and value and wanted to give it the proper time. Unfortunately, I was building a hard drive this week and I was up till two in the morning doing that before I was like, shit, I've got to watch the movie before tomorrow night. And so last night at 2 a.m., I threw on uh, The Worst Person in the World and uh, let me say, I was exhausted. I was very tired. I uh, I was sitting on the couch feeling like uh, I was going to be awful because I had to be up at 7 a.m. And this movie had me joyfully enraptured almost through its entirety. Definitely points where I was like feeling myself get tired. And, and usually when I get to that stage, I will, you know, like in order to give pay respect to the movie, we'll turn it off. But I often found myself, because this movie has this particularly unique prologue, epilogue, and as 11 chapters structure. 12, 12 chapters in a prologue and an epilogue. Yeah, 12 chapters. So 14 chapters, which on the outset could seem pretty daunting, but they zoom by so yeah. effortlessly and easily, and some are really long and interesting, some are really short. Um, I was enraptured by this thing, and I... I, I I wondered how closely, and I was enraptured for for all the right reasons at 2 a.m. in the morning, which was that I, in no way, was I thinking about the technicalities of how well this film is crafted. Mm -hmm. No way was I thinking about the performances. Um, All I was thinking about was how closely this captures that weird time in your life when you are in your maybe well, for for Julie she's in her uh, late 20s uh, moving into her early 30s yes um but that time in your life which i think i'm still in where you have no idea what it is you're doing or why you're doing it and none of the, anything really makes sense and you're just trying to navigate it and i just I thought this movie so perfectly encapsulated that period. Through the title, I thought this was going to be a film about someone who not does reprehensible things, but does things that, uh, you know, hurts other people. But I actually found this so endearing. Uh, the, 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 the Julie, played by Renat Rinsve, who won the Best Actress at Cannes, is so charming. And, and this is such a delightful sort of like fly, a slice of life. That also broke my heart into little tiny pieces, and I don't think it will ever quite recover. Um, the end of this film is 
devastating and beautiful and heartfelt. And this is, uh, the, I, you know, again, I would happily have replaced uh, four or five of the Best Picture nominees and put this in there. This is an all-timer for me. I absolutely love this movie. Matt, what did yeah, you think? Yeah, yeah, it's it's um, <clears throat> it's all those things. Um, the I, I watched it early in a day, so it wasn't. I did not have <laughs> the. I was not. I was not. <laughs> yeah, for, for once in my life. Um, <clears throat> I uh, I first I thought the the chapters when it's like this is a things told in twelve chapters, the prologue and an epilogue. I was like, <clears throat> okay, <laughs> here we go. Um, but no, it was actually quite breezy and nice. Um. It's interesting. It definitely it definitely does really capture a specific time in a young person's life. I don't think it, it's it's strange. You you said it's when you don't know when you haven't gotten everything figured out. <clears throat> but and it, it is true. I think what I gleamed on more was like the transition from like it's not it's not not caring about like where you go with your life, but like always being like, oh well, I'll deal with that later. Hmm. Like that's a you know that's future me's problem. In in the beginning of Julie's story, I felt like there was a lot of that. Um, how so? Uh, wait, just uh, how so? Because I think I because she just sort of like she you know in the beginning she changes a bunch of majors and there's yeah. not really a thing, and then she's uh, with this one person and she's living a certain life until that's no longer tenable and she gets bored. Like like she's she. I, I don't think the totality of a life hits her until the sort of the near end of the movie. It's it's almost like that moment when we all, you know, I'm, I I don't consider myself like definitely not done growing, and I do have I have little to nothing figured out. But I have hit a point in my life, you know, or in the past I have where I've had moments like the end of this film where you look back at the totality of like I don't know seven years or something, and you're like, <laughs> oh fuck. Okay, and then you have to kind of just decide what you're gonna do next. And um I don't know. So that that's where I'm kind of going from there. It's it's almost like it's almost like the journey of the innocence of thinking you have all the time in the world. It's not directly referenced, of course, mm -hmm. but like that's the vibe I got. Uh because during those moments, during that time of your life, it doesn't seem like time has a finite sort of thing even though you logically know it does. Um, so therefore you do different things and you move through your life a different way that I say you do in the sort of, uh, I won't say second half, but the, uh, later years of your life. Um, I, the only thing I knew about this film going in was the trailer I saw when we went to go see drive my car. <laughs> Where I, I, think in, I, I hid, I hid my head down underneath my hoodie because I did. didn't have my headphones. <laughs> you did. It would have been embarrassing if it wasn't just you and me in the theater. Um, and uh, the trailer makes it seem like that kind of movie you've described. A woman that's just like destructive and like causing chaos and love and like all this shit. And like I was, which actually made me less excited to see it. Mm -hmm. uh, and then, of course, when I watched the film, and it is not that, it is, uh, I believe there's only one moment when someone even remotely says, like, I'm the worst person in the world. I believe it is boyfriend number one at a random spot. Hmm. Um, maybe it's during the, uh, a breakup or something. Um, but like no one is the titular worst person in the world. It's almost like, I, actually let's, let's, let's pin that down because mm -hmm. I'm still debating what I think the title means or what's the point of the title. Hmm. Do you have any idea? 
Like, uh, why do you think this film is called The Worst Person in the World? It would get into spoilers uh, in terms of what happens later. We in should the get film. into spoilers. But uh, to me, it's the way in which you describe yourself having done something that has hurt somebody else. And and I think she, like, the, the way I read it, because it's interesting, when I saw the title, I thought there's a joke here about how happy this person is and how she is the worst person in the world in terms of the filmmaker looking down upon her, his character, or or judging this character, or making fun of this character. But it's not that. I think the title, because the, the titles do relate to things that are happening in her life, I think the title is an exaggeration of how she feels, perhaps about herself at a certain moment, which is that she feels like she might be the worst person in the world when she realizes what the action she has taken has wrought upon somebody else. But sure. I don't think the film is actually judgmental to her I don't either. about yeah. those actions. I think the film is actually very gentle with her about um, the way in which she makes choices. And I think the beautiful thing he- here is there's like a whimsical quality to the techniques at play. Um, you know, we sometimes have voiceover, we have magical realism, there's a LSD, uh, a magic mushrooms dream sequence uh, <laughs> later on. Um, and I think what's sort of brilliant about the way it uses that is we really get into the emotional headspace of her as a character and the ellipses that the film takes um, I, I don't know if you remember pa- uh, Pavel Pavlovsky's film that we reviewed a few years ago, Cold War. The ellipses yeah, yeah, yeah. that the film takes really gives you space to fill in the gaps yourself. And uh, there's an amazing thing, which is, okay, so if we get into really specific spoilers here, there's a moment at which uh, Julie kind of decides, well, we, uh, what, what I thought was beautiful about it is she's just looking out over uh, Oslo and, and kind of looking out of the cityscape. But I, the next thing, she turns around and she's really sad and crying and walking away. And I felt like I understood everything that was going on in her emotional being at that moment um, as it related to her and her partner. Um, even though nothing is said at that point, she's just observing this person and going, I don't know if this is actually us or if this is, if this is the thing we are, we're, we're going to be. And I think she feels terrible about it. Because it's exactly what he said when the relationship started, which was that, you know, we, we're probably going to hurt each other, so we should probably just end this now because I'm older than you are. I want different things. This is going to hurt both of us, so maybe we shouldn't do this. And she kind of flippantly, uh, not flippantly, but kind of beautifully kind of turns around uh, as she's walking out the, out the stair, out the um, apartment and says it was at this moment that she realized that she had actually loved him and went and goes back in. and. Mm-hmm. At the at the party that happened that precedes that moment when she looks out the um, uh, looks out over Oslo and starts crying, and after that moment she actually decides to sort of not quite cheat on her boyfriend, but sort of you know contemplates cheating on her boyfriend. Um, she is witnessing her boyfriend. Uh, uh, what is his name? His name is uh, uh, Axel. Um, like being celebrated as a comic book artist, and you can tell that she's just kind of looking at him, going, "This is his moment." I'm not invested in this moment as much as I think I should be. And maybe that's telling me something, you know, it was just, and it's all done with just looks. No one articulates that in any way. It's just kind of, I felt like I got it and I felt like I was in it. And I think that's just this beautiful thing that this film does. Right. I think Axel is the second boyfriend. I think, uh, 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 no, no, uh, Axel is the first one because I have an interesting story about Axel. Um, later on, Alvin is the, uh, is the second boyfriend. 
Are you sure? Yeah, I don't think Axel that's true. Axel is played by Anders Danielson Lee, who has appeared in several of uh, Joachim, uh, Joachim Trier's films. Okay. And there's an interesting thing, which is that Axel, the comic book author uh, played by Anderson Daniel Lee, is uh, is also oh, a certified I'm... doctor. <laughs> oh, nice. So I'm getting confused because the pictures that IMDb uses for them <laughs> is a younger look... picture. Yeah. No, no, no. Like, look at them if you can right yeah, now. Yeah, they do look very similar. Yes. No, but they look opposite. Like but, in my in my full opinion, that's so strange. All right, I stand corrected. But he is a doctor, by the way. The actor who plays uh, Axel is actually a doctor in real life. Yeah, and oh. uh, runs COVID clinics in uh, in Norway. That's great. Yeah, as well as acts in. Uh, <laughs> imagine going to your doctor and being like, hey, "I got to see you about my knee." And he's like, "Hang on, I've just got to talk uh, my films in the, the best uh, best farm is at the Oscars right now." Yeah, it's uh, it's it's kind of lovely. I think I think that'd be I I would I would trust that doctor implicitly in all cinematic endeavors and my colonoscopy or whatever. Whatever. Um, uh, just, did did just, you kind of feel that? So that that's my feeling about the worst person, the title, the worst person in the yeah, world. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that I, I think it has to do with how she feels about various situations. Um, though, I don't know. Like I, I guess that's kind of it, but I don't, I don't fully like. That is why it is called that. I just don't know about the choice of naming it that. Uh, in an interview with uh, Joachim Trier, uh, Joachim Trier, I think is, is actually how you pronounce it. Uh, he did say the worst person in the world was one of the chapter titles, uh, and then they decided that made sense for what the movie was. That makes a lot of sense from a, like a, how the story moves for, like yeah. how, how the development cycle moved forward. Yeah. Um, no, that totally makes sense. Um yeah I I um it's funny the it this film feels like such a a slice of real life and they do such a great job showing like all of the angles of people which a lot of movies just you know either don't or aren't interested in or don't have the time for like this world and these characters all feel very like believable and lived in um Case in point, the second I was mad at any of them, they would do something that would make me be like, oh, wait, no. Okay. Mm -hmm. Like, I get it. This all sucks. Everything sucks. But all right, fine. Like, there is just sort of different ways. Maybe, maybe with the exception of her father. Um, But that's neither here nor there. Um, The moment that. Like, I didn't know, I also didn't know where the film was going. That was kind of the fun thing about it, too. Like, I knew it was going to follow Julie and her decisions about various things, but that doesn't mean anything. Like, I didn't know it was going to be about, like, uh, like specifically this random wedding that she crashes that then she meets this dude who she emotionally cheats on her boyfriend with <laughs> and then uh, decides to never talk to him again, but then he wanders into a bookstore and, like, there's a lot of, like, fun surprise like there's a lot of like oh no moments yeah. but they're also not cheap yeah like they're not they're not uh you know i feel like most times you see these sort of the same type of oh moments oh no moments they're treated a bit much like death of the nile treated a lot of its shocking moments of like the oh, gasp <laughs> and this is like no like oh wow like you're 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 shocked and like emotionally panged when these things sort of happen um I thought it was shot beautifully overall as well. Um, I have not been uh, to Oslo, mm-hmm. but the the city itself seemed like even because there's a lot of her sort of like not wandering but traveling. Mm-hmm. 
uh, and I really enjoyed that. Uh, specifically, spoiler alert, one specific moment in the movie when she, right before she decides she's going to break it off with boy number one, there's a gorgeous scene oh, yeah. <laughs> of her turning on a light, everyone freezing but her, her spending like five to ten minutes walking through a freeze-framed city to get to the coffee shop where she knows boy two is working. Yeah. And it's so I, I don't this isn't the correct word, but I'm gonna say it anyway because it's the first that came to mind. Endemic of like that moment hmm. in 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 decision making in your life. Like your brain does that. Or or your brain feels like it does that before a big decision, I feel like. At least mine does. <laughs> and I, yeah, it that moment was the moment I was like arrested in my, you know, like if I felt I was getting tired. I had I was just grinning from ear to ear during that moment because it's so beautifully wrought. It's also underlying the under the under you know the the undercurrent of this is it's about uh, a painful moment that is really about to happen, which is that there is nothing actually wrong in their relationship other than their relationship is wrong. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like it, it's just and that's a kind of a weird grown up thing uh, that this movie does, which is that like no one's a bad person. She doesn't. I mean. You look, uh, the 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 cheating, the the not cheating scene definitely. Uh, I, I'm sure if uh, Az, Axel saw what had happened, or yeah. uh, Elvin's partner, the, the 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 yoga instructor, saw what happened, uh, would probably uh, have a difference of opinion about it. But it is like there's a maturity to the like. This is you know, this is relationships. They're messy. They're stupid. Uh, they hurt. They're painful. And I I was I I kind of enjoyed the idea that we were sort of seeing her like traipse on to a new moment and that moment encapsulated um the, you know the, the the sort of frozen time moment encapsulated what was so important about it you know like why she had to do it, it was like everyone is frozen in time except for me and him and and that's why it's so lovely um yeah it's, it's really that that is that was quite a yeah. striking moment that was the moment where this movie went from like uh oh this is a very good film to like oh fuck we're yeah. go oh shit okay <laughs> we're going game there. on motherfuckers <laughs> game on and there's only sort of two real moments like that in the movie like that, that that break away from what i would consider reality yeah uh and that is that scene and then of course when they're when when they're tripping on shrooms which uh uh, is a hyper interesting thing. I will not spoil anything further for. Oh, I think um, we're in spoilers now, right? Like we are. Uh, oh, I know, but yeah. like, I, I there's some stuff when we talk about these things. I don't just want to like gush over specific moments uh, too much, other than to say that they're really, really special and good. Because there's certain things that when they hit, they just hit, uh, much like a mushroom trip. <laughs> so uh, there's no reason, unless there's something specific we want to talk about in that instance. I think um, there's just a lovely moment in there where she. Uh, gets to confront her father without having to confront her father because she right. does, she never wants to confront her father. Yeah. Um, the thing, so the, the the major plot point in this film is that after she breaks it off with Axel and uh, starts a relationship with Elvin, which is very lovely and nice, um, she real oh she she is told that Axel actually has. Um, a form of cancer, um, uh, one that was caught, uh, that was not caught in time, and uh, he is dying of. Um, and so she goes to visit him, and there is just this long, basically a requiem for the relationship that they had, where he 
you know the 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 you know the argument that or the thing that we we're talking about in terms of the worst feeling like you're the worst person in the world is this idea like like think about what she's confronted with there and what he's confronted with there which is that he is going to die and he says out loud you were the love of my life you there was no other than you and she broke it off with him and it's just like if she not this is not the calculus of it all but uh if she hadn't have done that she may have been you know like they may have been together when he was going through you know the end of his life Mm -hmm. in which case he would have had a potentially a happier end of his life um and it's like there's no way you can sort of wrist, uh, you know, like lay that on her. But it's that fe- like I got that feeling that she, you know, of how awful she must feel. But she has moved on, of course, and there is no way that this relationship would continue. She's also uh, just learned that she is pregnant. Um, but, Which is something that he wanted kids and she and never he wanted, wanted kids and she like, didn't, you know, yeah. like just that just that feeling. But there is that what I also just loved in this moment was that uh, Axel is kind of really speaking eloquently and beautifully about the transient nature of time in his life. In his lifetime, he talks about the fact that, um, you know, when he was growing up, this this is the quote, I grew up in a time when culture was passed along through objects. They were interesting because we could live among them. We could pick them up, hold them in our hands and compare them. And now it's all I have left, kind knowledge and memories of stupid, futile things that nobody cares about. And it's mm-hmm. like this idea that he has built up his entire life to be this comic book artist because he, you know, spent his life curating, collecting, understanding, having the sort of transgressive, you know, quality about comic books where they should be uh, messy and violent and sexist and misogynistic and, you know, all the weird parts of his of his being. And then, you know, like realizing that, it, in the end, it doesn't matter. And and he says, I think later on, uh, I'm only going to live thrown through my art. I don't want that. I want to live. I, I want to live. Yeah. And and I was just like that for a movie that's ostensibly about her. Uh, it just takes this beautiful turn where this character, you know, kind of sums up the sort of anxiety and meaningless of what it means to be alive today and what it means to like to be dying in, in you know, like to, to actually be. Uh, dying in a culture that, you know, having cultivated your life through an art that nobody cares about anymore. And, you know, I, 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 I that just, that kind of just wrecked me pretty much. Yeah. I mean, the, the interesting thing there, how, how, hmm, how, how, repre- how personal do I want to get? Uh, the, the way that moment is treated about like the, the basically the day that she spends with him as he's dying mm-hmm. or uh, near the near the end uh with all of life's sort of um I'll just say idiosyncrasies or contradictions sort of at full bear which it also comes to the end of the movie is just another one like like it's one of those things that just sort of shows and and make and reminds you that life doesn't give a shit about your plans. Um, yeah, I, 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 it's funny. This film, I would argue, is successful because of how emotionally resonant it is with the with the human condition, with the current human condition. That makes it difficult to kind of like figure out why that is because it's so effective. It's really hard for me to specifically see the forest through the trees. One thing I wrote down that I thought 
is not the reason this movie is as effective as it is, but it's almost like it's the snowplow that moves all of the, you know, stuff blocking everything out of the way to let the script and the actors and everything sort of do the work they need to do to get all of this emotional resonance through. And that is, this is the first movie that I've seen in a long time that feels like it was made today. And that, that means sort of like, yes, admitting that there's a bit of the sort of pandemic in there. Yes, that's talking about, you know, an aging person growing up in an age before the Internet. Yes, that's talking about referential things to sort of cancel culture and that whole jive. Like, and it never, like, it never put, pushed it too hard or punched it down your throat. It always felt very reserved and the background of things like background noise but it felt like current background noise a lot of times in rom-coms or really any movie taking place in a modern era it doesn't at least the ones i've seen lately they don't actively like it's still a bit like in this nebulous like current kind of time and this felt like nope this is going through the years appropriately Like There's an interesting thing I I read uh, that Joaquim Trier had kind of talked about in terms of getting this film made. Now this is uh, he's sort of coined it as part of a loose series, a trilogy with uh, the Oslo series. Yeah, the Oslo series, the reprise uh, and uh, Oslo, August twenty fourth, I think it was. It's um, like the Cornetto trilogy. It's like the Cornetto trilogy. Yeah, exactly. Um, but he said, you know, like be, because. Um, uh, uh, Renette Rinsve is not like a, a famous movie star, um, uh, as she probably will be now. Um, there was nothing hanging them to try and cast a movie star in this movie. And, and he, there was this interesting interview where he just said, yeah, no, the, the Norwegian, uh, the Norway uh, film um, film production business isn't anchored like that. It's really just based on the project and the filmmakers involved. And and that's it. You know, there's no emphasis. He was like, we don't have movie stars, and it, and I think that that what that meant is that they're not sort of like trying to circulate a movie star's persona, like mm-hmm. you were sort of talking about in terms of like how does this film respond to this? Like if we have if we cast Will Smith in a movie now, how does the movie reflect Will Smith's persona as we know him publicly and you know privately and all that sort of jazz? So I think there's this, this beautiful thing there, which is that the movie doesn't can just deal with the now and the time in sort of beautiful ways. But it, yeah, like you say, it's very effortless and, 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 you know, it feels very um, like it's floating on air because you are really like for a movie that's sort of two hours long, that's divided into chapters, which sort of feels like an austere approach uh, to making a, a movie. Uh, it's, it's just, it's very, it's really fun to watch. It's really delightful and it's really endearing and engaging. But I found this review uh, from uh, Insight and Sound magazine from uh, Jessica Kang, which I thought was interesting. It, 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 like for the most part, the Jessica uh, Kang was really complimentary of the film and really loved it. But she she mentioned this one thing, which I think was just uh, an interesting thought. Uh, which is that the film is Sunsets and Cigarettes and Sunrise and Julie's carelessly elegant habit of wearing her long hair tucked uh, inside of her collar. It skips by. But the sum total of all these glinting silvery moments cannot be but a little evanescent, especially to anyone outside of Julie's precise generational generational and lifestyle cohort, uh, uh, life stage cohort. To those not directly relating to her winsome predicaments or those who only vaguely remember experiencing them, harsher questions than the film is willing to answer may occur. 
would her self-confessed flakiness be quite so appealing if it didn't come in such a vibrantly attractive package? And should we spare thought for those characters who carefully developed and beautifully performed, but who ultimately exist only to help Julie, to forgive her, to tell her that their sole regret in life is not making her realize how wonderful she is? And I think that's a, that, that is this interesting thing about that period in your life, which is that you believe yourself to be the center of the universe. And this movie kind of posits that this character, for the characters that exist around her, is the center of some universe. And it is an interesting idea that, yes, I think an inter- a, a thing would be to have other characters push back to, against her and push back against, like, we don't care about your shit. You know, just you know do what you're going to do and i think that would be an interesting moment but it's not to me it's not a it's not a deterrent against the film because i i found the film maybe i was so struck by the vibrantly attractive package that this film came in but it is i do wonder about that question which is that if you're not watching this film with the direct um empathetic experience to her life or having experienced it yourself do you think she's just an asshole you know? I mean, that's that's possible. That's also kind of not what the movie's positing. You know what I mean? Like, like the movie literally is called, and maybe this actually goes back to helping answer my own question. The movie is literally called The Worst Person in the World. We're pretty sure it's about Julie and maybe the way that she feels. So let's just say, theoretically, that she does feel like the worst person in the world. Well, that's a pretty... You know, I'm the center of the universe centric argument, wouldn't you say? <laughs> like, like I think that all kind of connects as to what the film is trying to do. I think the movie, like the point of the film, is showing that feeling of view of of like, yeah, everything does feel huge like this because you think you are the center of the world. As far as the attractive packaging is concerned, I mean. That seems like a bit of a trite question. It's like, oh wait, do we like attractive people in movies? Do we like looking at pretty, pretty stuff? Like that doesn't, like no, that I, question I what, doesn't what she's, offer. What she's saying is that would the we, characters in the film would the characters in the film forgive her? No, would we would we care as much of this character if it wasn't such an attractive person? Like, would we care about her uh, um, leaving? Uh, you know, her rationale for leaving Axel. If it wasn't such a and I and I we don't mean to make it attractive as in like a the way she looks, but in the way that the film treats um, the way in which she's uh, allowed to uh, transit, you know, go between places and scenes so easily. Like that is not a that is that is a privilege. We have to admit it is a privilege to be able to like wander into a into a wedding party and you know flutter around and and not be uh, not be immediately thrown out. You know. So we're talking about privilege, or are we talking about attractiveness? Um, I'm confused. Maybe I mean, because they are tied, but like, what's the? Maybe I guess a and, mix and, and of I, both. That's just kind of an unfair question to you and to the audience because this is a, a, a review of a person of a, that is not on this podcast. Right. Um, uh, I mean, privilege is literally everywhere. So, like, yeah, I think, I what, think the, what the what the review is positing is wouldn't would it be possible to have a character or any sort of moment in this film which pushes back against uh, you know, what's described as Julie's flakiness, you know, like her making decisions. Now, I will say, what, you know, like making, you know, changes in her life that are so uh, easy. You know, I'm going to be a doctor. I'm going to be a photographer. I'm going to be with this person. I'm going to break up with this person and go with this person. You know, like, would would there be another character who would be just like, just get your shit together? Um but I, I will say one thing about this. That well, Boyfriend really, One does do that. He comes, does he goes do, back but, from it, but... 
well, yeah. yeah, but there, there there is an interesting thing that I actually thought about in terms of like the cultural context of this film as well, which was that um, maybe this is also something that that I you know I recall from um, you know living in New Zealand, which is a a, a sort of um, a country which has great access to education, for example. Um, when she makes choices like I'm going to be a doctor, no, you know what, I'm going to be a photographer. No, you know what, I'm going to do this. Um, it's like. Those countries are places where you can just make those choices sure. because those countries are places that don't burden you with a lifetime of debt for picking one over the other. You know, like so. Well, the, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so, and so, there is this sort of like maybe a difference in cultural context here, which is that like this is a place where you do have kind of uh, a cultural freedom to make to to find yourself and be unburdened by you know like. The the heavy consequence of like living in the United States, the the punitive consequences of choosing to be born in the United States or living in the United States like I am and like, say, breaking your leg and having to pay thirty thousand dollars or fifty thousand dollars or whatever it is to do that. Or, you know, like trying to go to med school in, in America. This is just a different place where those kinds of decisions are a little bit more fluid. So I, I kind of just thought about that a little bit because, I you know, in New Zealand, while there is student debt and that sort of thing, if you want to become a doctor, it is a little bit easier because, you, you know, you don't have to be crushed by, you know, people, friends of mine who are doctors will probably disagree with me, but I, I would, I, and my only counter argument to that would be it's nothing like the amount of debt that you would experience in the United States in order to. I mean, much <laughs> like most things here. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, no, it's all different. It's all subjective. I, I just, I, you know me, I am not, I'm not trying to, uh, discredit that particular reviewer's take there. I just lean on the thing. It's like, yeah, one couldn't help but wonder you know, if this movie wasn't about this, then would it be about this? And it's like, yeah. I think it's a fair criticism. For, so, for example, in the movie Francis Ha, uh, the Greta Gerwig, uh, the, the Noah Baumbach film with Greta Gerwig, mm-hmm. um, I think it's a fair comparison to sort of say, is there a character, is there, like, do we empathize or do we, do, are we able to uh, really invest ourselves in this person's um uh, particular brand of anxiety or choices that they make when some, you know, when their choices seem to be, uh, c- could someone just say to them, Hey, get your shit together. And, like, could there be a counterpoint? I, I, I think that's a fair criticism. No, um, I mean, of course there can the be, but that's not this... what, but, but the movie is very sort of clear on what it wants to get across. And mm-hmm. that doesn't seem like it's it. So it's like asking like, well, if the movie did something that it didn't do and didn't really want to do, would that change it? And it's like, yes, it would yeah. like, Cool. But I think that's that's a fair it, conversation point. If right? this if this chocolate ice cream was vanilla, would it be chocolate? No. Like it's it, I don't know. Like I, I don't see it as criticism. I see it as sort of if thening. And I'm like, okay, like yeah, that's that's right. But like, it's not. Again, I th- no no movie is beyond reproach. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not what I'm saying here. I'm saying if we're looking for uh, for uh, dents in this film's particular armor, I don't think that's it. I don't see. Here's the thing. I, I I don't think discussing a film in a way where you're sort of questioning how the film operates is necessarily a dent in the film's armor. Like, I don't I think, think so either. But I, I, I don't think, think that question is, is actually, questioning how the yeah. film operates. I yeah. think it's questioning what if the film did something different than it does. Yeah. Like. And is that? And, and I guess that's sort of semantic, but at the same time, it, it's it's it it feels to me very like oh well, uh, 
can't can't think of a negative here. Let's try to find something. And I'm I'm globalizing or not globalizing. Yeah. I'm simplifying. Uh, you know what? You should credit. probably read the review because it's a very complimentary sure. review to the no, film. Sure. No, I will. And no, it's just, I'm not, again, just a conversation not, point that they raised. I am not discrediting the review itself or that person's opinion. I am saying I personally find those that snippet of that kind of argument uninteresting, uh, because it 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 it's a it's an odd sort of what if thing that isn't that honestly isn't fun uh like uh, at least again for me like say uh our email in the beginning about bradley cooper with psychic powers <laughs> but it but it's you know it's a conversation point to have about the film right sure yeah it, it, i mean we're doing we're literally doing it right now <laughs> um i i thought that was um a, a fair point to kind of raise about it and then i i just but i did love the the way in which the film begins as this kind of frantic search for meaning that she is having and like trying to decide what she wants to do, where she wants to be, uh, does she want to have children? Are children even important to her? Why does she have to make that decision? To going through this emotionally wrought experience of breaking up because of this joyful experience that she feels within herself and realizing that the consequence of finding joy in herself is another human being like walking down towards death without without much joy in their life. And then what I love is how sort of sneakily beautiful the film's finale is, mm -hmm. which is that she is taking a photograph of an actress who is playing at being sad and then realizes that that actress is has had a child with uh, her ex-boyfriend and the alive one the 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 uh, the other boyfriend person. number 2 yeah yeah and and what what i love how sneakily beautiful that is is because she is when she's taking that photo she's essentially taking a photo of what she could have been without realizing it and she's kind of and the movie just kind of settles into this idea that that is what she does now she takes photographs and she is good at it and you know like she brings out um something in this person that maybe the director of the other film couldn't do. I don't know. But like just this idea that she's taking a photo of what could have been her. Um, I just think that's really, um, really deceptively smart because you don't quite realize what it is until it happens. And then the needle drop of the Art Garfunkel uh, track at the end um, of um, uh, uh, the, the Water Springs, I think it's called. Yeah. Uh, it's just, I was like, in the, in the, in the history of great needle drops, that's a that's an old time really right there. That's it's really a, good. That's really great. The movie is a breath of fresh air. Uh, the the way it handles interpersonal relationships and the act of being human and knowing that like you, you know you you can't have everything and what you do will hurt people is uh, is an interesting and 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 not often explored with this level of depth and care uh, experience in the human condition that I absolutely loved sort of seeing. Uh, on film here, and they just do it. They just nail the whole thing. Yeah. Like, it's 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 disturbing how simple this movie is, but at the same time, how complex it can be. And I guess that's sort of a that's sort of a take on how emotions work um, <laughs> in and of itself. So I don't know. I love this movie. I think you should go see it. It definitely, if you have the choice between seeing this film in one night or Death on the Nile. <laughs> I would probably say see the worst person in the world. I think I feel comfortable saying that. I I mean, you know, like uh, if if we had seen this movie before we did our top tens of 2021, uh, this would appear, yeah. uh, certainly appear uh, on that list uh, quite easily. Indeed. 
Well, this has been the only podcast about the film The Worst Person in the World, Shahir, when you're not breaking the heart of your ex-lover who is a comic book artist who eventually tells you that they are dying of an irreparable disease, but you've already moved on and you're pregnant, where can folks find you? Oh, you can find me with morning sickness at my website at www.shahirdad.com. That's H-A-H-I-R-D-A-U-D.com. Matt, when you are questioning the, uh, the, oh, when you are freezing time, actually, when you are freezing time and floating through uh, an empty Norwegian street in order to steal a coffee from a coffee shop, where can people find you? You can find me taking two creams, no sugar, at my website, M-A-T-T-H-E-W-K-R-O-L.com, my life and works, also Skeletor, the number four, P-R-E-Z on Instagram or PSN, and of course, Emperor MSK on Twitter. Please email us in over on the podcast to let us know what you are watching, onlymoviepodcast at gmail.com. You don't email us on the podcast. You send an email to a Gmail that then goes to us and we read it on the podcast. I want to make that very clear. Um, also, please check out the good works we are doing over at Extra Credits. We are just wrapping up the history of beer tomorrow, the day after we are recording this. I believe April 7th is National Beer Day or, or Beer Appreciation Day. So please, uh, you know, ra- raise a glass, if you will. Uh, and also, please check out uh, a-, a phenomenal uh, So You Haven't Read on uh, The Diary of a Young Girl. Uh, that we just released um, uh, last Wednesday from now. It's one of my favorite episodes uh, in a long time. It's very, very good with amazing art from uh, uh, Jordan Martin and uh, a wonderful, wonderful script from our writer, R. Kevin. Um, yeah, so check out all that stuff. What uh, Next week, there's a few things coming out that are going to be interesting. We've got uh, a Michael Bay film yeah. at, the, at the theater. We've got a Sonic M-U-L-A movie. Ants. What's that? Ambulance Ants. Ambulance Ants. Yeah, a sequel to Martin Scorsese's Bringing Out the Dead, I'm sure. Um, We've also got a Sonic the Hedgehog movie. We've got uh, the the director of Bao Bully's new film, RRR, which is a three-hour epic that everybody is raving about. A lot of choices here. So, so we could, because I know that, so you and I are already contractually obligated outside of the podcast to go see, for different reasons, Sonic 2, right? So that's yeah. already on the table. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to see it right? because I'm going to see it because of a six-year-old. Yeah, and I'm going to see it because I got to go fast. Uh, and then, uh, and Jim carries the men. Uh, and then uh, we want to see ambulance. Uh, mm-hmm. But we could, we could put up a Twitter poll for those three things and see what people would like us to do. Uh, I'm sure we can. I, I may have an interesting guest for Ambula Ants. Um, oh, so that maybe, would trump any sort of... So that uh, might, that might uh, yeah, uh, yeah. make the decision for us. But there's, well, there's fine. a lot No voting on. for you, <laughs> listeners. There's there's still a lot going on. And it's just, you know, like, uh, what I like is that I'm just... I feel like with everything uh, everywhere all at once last week and the worst person in the world this week, I feel happy. Like, I'm like, I'm seeing good movies and I feel good yeah. about when I see them. And like, I'm feeling like you should... Like, these are great movies to spend time with, you know? Like, mm-hmm. I just, I, I feel good about them. I feel good, good recommending good, good, good. them, you know? That's great to hear because Doctor Strange is just around the corner. Um, <laughs> I, is this the second Doctor Strange movie, by the way? Yes. yes. Okay, so I have seen the first one, but I still yeah. haven't seen Spider-Man No Way Home. Interesting. No, no, like, every time I sit down to think, oh, maybe I could watch Spider-Man tonight, I just go, eh. Well, you can't or, because it's not out yet. It is. Oh, I know. Uh, I think you can rent it. I think you can, yeah, rent, you can it. rent it. You can't yeah, own yeah. it yet. Yeah. 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 Every time I sit down to go, I could watch Spider-Man No Way Home. I just go, yeah. Oh, or I'm not eh. going to. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Your loss. Anyway, uh, everybody, thanks so much for listening. 
Uh, next week, we'll be back with one of those films we talked about, uh, dependent on guests and possible non-existent Twitter polls. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk at you next week. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.